Good morning. It's Friday, January 8th. I'm Duarte Geraldino. And I'm Shamita Basu. This is Apple News Today. Each morning, hear about some of the most fascinating stories in the news and how the world's best journalists are covering them. After inciting violence at the nation's capital on Wednesday, President Trump released a nearly three-minute video message on Twitter. He condemned this week's insurrection, but that's not stopping a growing number of lawmakers from calling for Trump to be removed from office. Here's House Speaker Nancy Pelosi yesterday. By inciting sedition as he did yesterday, he must be removed from office. While it's only 13 days left, any day can be a horror show for America. Lawmakers are considering two ways to get Trump out of the White House. One is impeachment. We've been down that road before. The other is the 25th Amendment. The 25th Amendment was adopted as a way to handle the transfer of presidential power, and it has a few parts to it. One says if the president is removed from office, the vice president becomes president. Another says the president can make the VP acting president with a written declaration. Those parts have been used before. Right. Yes, they have. But the part that Democrats and at least one Republican are now hoping to invoke, Section 4, has never been used before. And this section allows the vice president and a majority of the cabinet secretaries to declare the president unable to perform his duties. And that would allow the vice president to immediately step in. Since Wednesday's unrest, a growing number of White House officials are just quitting their post. This includes two of Trump's cabinet secretaries, Transportation Secretary Elaine Chao and Education Secretary Betsy DeVos. That leaves 21 remaining cabinet members. Now, even if the rest of his cabinet does decide to take such a drastic measure, the president could fight back. The amendment allows him to declare in writing that he is fit to serve. At that point, it would be sent to Congress, where a two-thirds vote could override the president. But some members of Congress are not even waiting for that. They have started to draft articles of impeachment again. If the vice president and the cabinet do not act, the Congress may be prepared to move forward with impeachment. One draft circulating in the House accuses Trump of willfully inciting violence against the U.S. government. Now, in the House, Democrats should have the votes to impeach Trump, and in theory, they could move quickly on it. But it would ultimately be kicked over to the Senate for a trial where it's not so clear what Mm -hmm. the outcome would be. It's worth noting that if Trump were to be impeached and then convicted— Senators would then have the option to bar him from ever holding office again. That would only require a majority vote. Congress members have only got 12 days to explore their options before Trump is out of office and Biden is sworn in. A Capitol Police officer is now dead. He was injured while engaging with rioters on Wednesday. The Capitol Police chief and House, along with Senate sergeants-at-arms, are now resigning. And there are still so many questions around what went wrong when a pro-Trump mob stormed the Capitol building. What is clear is that authorities knew that trouble was likely brewing. ProPublica reports on the weeks leading up to Wednesday— There were open calls for violence across various social media platforms in the event that Congress confirmed President-elect Biden's victory. ProPublica sifted through these many posts. One person called for Americans to take up arms to, quote, defeat tyranny and save the republic. According to the Associated Press, 
The city of D.C. was bracing for violence. Local businesses were closed ahead of Wednesday, and D.C.'s mayor asked the D.C. National Guard for help on December 31st. But the AP also reports the Capitol Police said no thanks to an offer from the Department of Defense for help on January 3rd. That's three full days ahead of the violence. The police also rebuffed support from the DOJ and the FBI. One thing to note about the Capitol Police, it's an enormous force, 2,300 officers, and it's totally separate from D.C.'s municipal force. It wasn't until after rioters breached the Capitol building that the force called for backup. But by then, the damage had already been done. The Washington Post adds another layer to this story. Their reporting says the Department of Defense placed limits on the D.C. National Guard's abilities to handle these protests. This is according to Pentagon memos written after the mayor's request for help on the 31st. Guardsmen were not given ammunition or riot gear. They were told not to engage with protesters unless necessary for self-defense. And they couldn't share equipment with local law enforcement. The Post says the reason the Defense Department played such a limited role is because it had only been asked to assist with traffic control. But according to the Post timeline, by the time Capitol Police said we need help, the federal response was painfully slow. Hundreds of rioters left the Capitol building without being arrested. Although since yesterday, dozens of people have been arrested, mostly for violating the 6 p.m. emergency curfew in D.C. and for unlawful entry. There's an obvious difference between the way Black Lives Matter demonstrators were treated compared to these pro-Trump extremists. U.S. Crisis Monitor is a nonpartisan group that tracks political violence and demonstrations in the U.S. It reviewed all the BLM protests over the summer and found they were overwhelmingly peaceful. 93% of all demonstrations resulted in no violence. And yet that same organization found that Black Lives Matter demonstrators faced government intervention or use of force more often than protesters who assembled in support of other causes. Just one example, at the protests in Washington, D.C. in June for Black Lives Matter, the National Guard, Secret Service and U.S. Park Police deployed tear gas and rubber bullets at the crowd. In Los Angeles, during just one day of protests over the killing of George Floyd, Officers arrested more than 500 people. NPR spoke with the chair of Princeton University's African-American Studies Department, Eddie Gloud. And he told them about how differently law enforcement treats various groups of Americans. Who has the right to protest in this country? Um, and what was very clear to me is that there is a sense in which some people who happen to be white are accorded the rights of, of citizenship and the right to dissent. And others are expected to be grateful. He tells NPR... Ever since the civil rights era, movements designed to benefit black Americans have been seen as an existential threat to the country. But protest movements from the right are seen as a form of patriotism. More than 4,000 people died of the coronavirus on Thursday in the U.S. The pandemic is especially devastating in California. The state hit 2.5 million cases this week. L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti put these stats into grim focus when he said the number of people dying of COVID-19 in Los Angeles County in a single day is now equivalent to the number of homicide deaths the city saw in an entire year. L.A. County is averaging one death every eight minutes. The L.A. Times has been covering just how dire things are getting. In L.A. County, hospitals and ICUs are so full 
that ambulance staff have been instructed not to transport people to hospitals if they have a very low chance of survival. There are stories of patients waiting for up to eight hours before being admitted. Two refrigerated trucks are currently parked behind the Harbor UCLA Medical Center because the morgue frequently runs out of space. Funeral homes have also run out of space and are turning families away. Hospitals are struggling to get patients the oxygen supplies they need, which is why this week, California Governor Gavin Newsom unveiled what he's calling an oxygen strategy. The idea is to beef up the state's resources and make sure they're being distributed to hardest hit areas. The Army Corps of Engineers is sending specialized crews to make sure hospitals in L.A. have the latest technology for their oxygen delivery systems. And the number of cases isn't only affecting hospitals, it's affecting daily life in the area. One in five people in L.A. who get tested for COVID-19 have the virus. School reopening plans are also delayed because one in three students in some L.A. neighborhoods are testing positive. And public health officials are concerned that post-holiday infection spike they warned us about is just starting. L.A. County Public Health Director Barbara Ferreira tells the L.A. Times, quote, Community transmission rates are so high that you run the risk of an exposure whenever you leave your home. Images of the wreckage at the Capitol building have been circulating on social media. You'll see pictures of the cleaning staff sweeping up broken glass, picking up Trump flags and water bottles. And in some of those pictures, you'll see a congressman on his hands and knees, still in his suit jacket, picking up litter. Congressman Andy Kim of New Jersey told GQ magazine what was going through his mind that day. Like other members of Congress, he spent much of the afternoon sheltered in place, still working, waiting for more information about what was going on. He answered emails from constituents. He told the magazine he, quote, didn't want the insurrection to derail our democracy. Finally, at 7 p.m., the Capitol was secure and the House reconvened soon after. In between debate, Congressman Kim headed to the rotunda, got a trash bag, and started cleaning. He told GQ he just wanted to show the building respect. You can find all these stories and more on the Apple News app. Plus, keep listening to hear narrated articles from our News Plus partners. Have a safe weekend. Have a restful weekend. We'll talk with you again on Monday. Monday.